Where has the time gone, my friends? In the words of Jim Carrey from The Mask, Did you miss me? Ah. I guess not. We're back. And we're better than ever. A historic note in the city of Toledo. Well, there comes the hockey team. The Jackets, of course, are finished. The NHL has crowned a new champion. We'll talk about that. The Tigers continue to frustrate me. The Indians doing a good job so far. But they can't get the division lead. Interesting news and notes to pass along regarding Bowling Green football. And the fall sports begin tonight. The NBA draft. But more importantly, tomorrow night in Vancouver with the NHL draft. I have been missing you guys for over a month. It's been over a month. But a celebration is in order. Because All Andy Alford is back on the Anchor Network. Guess who's back? All Andy Alfred. 24 runs in the span. We're going to get shut out. Gambino! Hip to a home run. Yes, me. Choo choo, it's time for All Andy Alfred. And with an open heart. And a welcome back, I say to you, I love you guys, and welcome in to another edition of All Andy Alfred right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, however, and whenever you listen to me, Thank you so much for tuning into the program. And yes, we are back and better than ever and celebrating a milestone. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Of course, a lot to get into. It's been over a month since I last talked to you guys right here on the Anchor Network. And first and foremost, I would want to say to you, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, or if this is the first time you're ever listening to this podcast, what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We are going to be doing podcasts now every week. And then come college football season, twice a week with a special Friday edition of the program that you won't want to miss. Especially for you mid-majors and Big Ten and all the local sports scene. It is truly a pleasure to be with you. And you can follow the show on Twitter. It is at AllAndyAlfred. It is at AllAndyAlfred. And like I mentioned, you are listening to us on the plethora of platforms with the with iTunes and Apple Music, with Google Podcasts, with Spotify, with Stitcher, and so many more platforms. And if you want to be a part of the show, use the hashtag AAALive. So welcome aboard. Uh, got a lot to get into tonight. We're going to do a lot of recapping, of course, and as well as talking a little bit on the sports side of things. Also about my life as well, too. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but first and foremost, I want to get into this. I told you it is a mark occasion. On 
June 15th, 2009, we launched all Andy Elfred on the YouTube network. And it was a young YouTube, a younger me, of course. Uh, we did the podcast from the office, from, from basically my room. And the, we had the light fixture in the background and the NHL logo and everything like that in the background. We had that one time we had the hats, of course. And some of my favorite moments from the early years of the podcast was doing the podcast via on YouTube and with with the CyberLink UCAM that I had on my on my um, on my webcam, and I used that to tape most of the shows, and it took off from there. Of course, uh, some of the famous lines from from this podcast and the and the web show was, of course, uh, the infamous uh, "Hang 'em by Tinsel." Christmas lights and garland. When uh, my favorite spot, Bronner's Christmas Wonderland in Franklin, Michigan, uh, was vandalized, and you know some of that moments have stuck with us. Uh, my f- a few of also favorite moments of uh, <laughs> uh, when they get their head out of their ass and play baseball. I still use that phrase to this day, and. It is uh, truly a pleasure to be with you for 10 years of all Andy Alford right here and on the new platform, of course. We've gone through two different platforms, of course. We went from YouTube to when I was at Bowling Green, we were at WFAL on the on the flat, on their flagship station. We kept doing the YouTube show during the off-season, of course, and we still continue to do the off that show. Then we went to Google Plus when YouTube was purchased out. And then we went over and decided to do this as a podcast, podcast, like audio. And so we went to Mixcloud and we still did all Andy Elford on the, uh, on the, uh, on the YouTube channel. And now it's so much more. And then the institution of when Mixcloud and Soundcloud decided to part, we started to part ways. We came over here to the Anchor Network and Anchor Network. On July 10th, 2018 will be one year since we've made the move from Anchor from Mixcloud to Anchor, so it is um, it is truly a pleasure to be a part of this industry and be a part of this program. It will be one year since the contract signing, and in in the span of a year, we have had so many things happen. Um, we have seen the rise and fall of Dino Babers. We have seen the promise of Toledo Walleye Hockey, as well as the Blue Jackets finally breaking the the curse and getting a playoff series win um and we have also seen we've also seen the Cavs winning a championship and LeBron leaving again but one thing is consistent the Tigers suck plain and simple from top to bottom the Tigers suck but anyway it's truly a pleasure to be a part of the Anchor Network, and it's a pleasure to be with you guys. And I hope you guys enjoy the show. We're going to be back. We're back. We're back and better than ever. And I am so looking forward to giving you guys the show. We'll be doing the show next Thursday, of course. And we'll do it from a special location, of course. And then we begin the process into July where we have so many events 
and so much going on. Of course, July 1st, we have the big unrestricted free agency. We'll see where Sergei Bobrovsky, Matt Duchesne, Artemi Panarin, all the NHL unrestricted free agents are going to go. We also have in July, we're, we're doing some housekeeping, by the way. July as well, too, we have the Marathon Classic. Of course, yours truly will be in attendance. We'll be doing the show from the ninth hole. We're planning on doing that on Friday to do the podcast from there. Looking forward to doing the podcast from, from the Classic, of course. Um, we also have this year, the we're having a chance, there's a possibility, an outside chance of actually going to the MLB All-Star Game that is happening in Cleveland, Ohio. The logistics look like it can work for us. It'd be a long week for us because the All-Star Game falls the same week as the Marathon Classic. So there are a lot of events going on, of course. We'll also be talking about talking about the big series going on this upcoming fall with Bowling Green traveling to Notre Dame. We've got stuff planned for that. We've got opening night coverage uh, of the Walleye and the Blue Jackets. We've also got coverage of, of the Mud Hens and so much more. So, like I said, if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet on this podcast, hit it now and sign up to be a part of this. This is going to be a fun ride. I can't wait to get along with you. And so we're going to start first and foremost with the NHL. And, of course, the Jackets, um, we start with the Blue Jackets first and foremost. Uh, the Jackets did si- make a big signing. They re-signed Marcus Hanekinen to a two-year deal. Um, I kind of saw this coming. Hanekinen had a great season last year with the Blue Jackets. I felt like the Jackets needed a better player. And now the question is, what's going to happen? Now we are one day away from the NHL draft. The Jackets only having two picks in this NHL draft. Um, in the second round, as well as in the fifth round. Two picks in the whole entire draft. Does Yarmo want to put some put some spices in there and send a draft and and make a couple deals? That's my big question. Because we do need some help. And Bobrovsky is not on the books with us anymore. Panera is not on the books with us. And I, I, I got to get to that in just a second. Um, but we need talent. We definitely need talent. The Columbus Blue Jackets need talent. Jackets need the talent more than anything else. We have sold the farm for the Magic Beans, and they're not going to come to fruition because of all this damn rain that's happening. Just telling you that. So... In my opinion, the Jackets can move a couple pieces. Can get if they can move some pieces around. I know we've got a little bit of talent left in in Cleveland. I think we could try to get a third round pick. I'd like to get us a, get us back into the third round, maybe even a possible fourth round pick. But the question is, what does everybody need? And that's the biggest fear for me. What does everybody need? I mean, you you can't sell the cow for magic beans. You really can't. And the Jackets did. They did. Plain and simple. They did. And I don't like it more than you guys do, so it's plain plain for me to see that the Jackets need the help and they need 
prospects and they need players to step up. Who's going to step up? Because it's not Panarin and Bobrovsky. And I'll get and here. Here's what I have to say about that. We are closer to July one than anything else. We are now less than ten days away from the first of July. It now looks more prominent than ever that we're not going to keep Bobrovsky. It doesn't look like we're going to keep Panarin, but even though Panarin has been trolling the Jacket fans, and I hate that, he's been practicing and training with Blue Jackets gear on. I do not like that. I said it at the end of last season. I will say it again. If you can get these guys for a two-year deal, wait for the, the, the CBA to come down and get something for the players to renegotiate the CBA. And then the because the, the money's money's going up. If they can negotiate that down. And they can keep the jet if they can keep those two pieces. I mean, either way. I think, in my opinion, you keep Bobrovsky and you keep Matt Duchesne. You can get Ryan Dezingle for cheap. You get rid of Artemi Panarin. Bobrovsky has been winning you games for the longest period of time. For the longest period of time. And he deserves a contract. A good contract. A contract that might see him being a jacket for the rest of his life. That's how I really feel. And that's how it should be. But the question is, can it can it come to fruition? Can Columbus make the move and give him what he wants is a big deal. Now the question is, will Bob take it? I think he would. If you offered him a good deal, I think he would. I'd like to see Bobrovsky staying in Columbus. It has it it has to be done. Yarmo has to do it. And then, by the way, John Davidson leaving the franchise to go to be the president of the New York Rangers. You know, I I thank JD for everything he's done. John Davidson, he helped this organization put the foot back into the doorway. Help this organization out by, you know, making us relevant again with all the moves that he has made. Now the question is, who's the new? Who's going to be the new GM? We don't know that. We don't know who's going going into this draft. We don't know who the who the GM is. We do know one factor, is that Rick Nash, the former Columbus Blue Jacket captain, former New York Ranger as well too, is now a part of the organization and. With that in mind, I, I, I pose this question. On, uh, and to me, I've been hearing a lot from Bob McKellican, and I've been hearing a lot from the artillery. I've been hearing a lot about this through the, the Twitter accounts, on, on my Twitter accounts. Should 61 go into the rafters? I say no. You can't give the guy... You, you, you can't. You honestly can't. You honestly can't. You really can't. And, and for me, the Jackets are a team that... I'll say this. If Bobrovsky stays with Columbus and 
he finishes his career with Columbus. 72 will go into the rafters before 61 does. That's that's simple. That's just simple. So the Jackets trying to make the moves. Uh, like I said, Hannah Kynan signing the deal with the Jackets, a two-year deal. Uh, John Davidson leaving, of course. And the question is, where is Columbus going to do with with the um, with what they have left is are they can they move are they going to move pieces are they going to keep pieces I mean and what is out there for Columbus to give I mean for me I I, I don't want to give up the youth and the experience that we are getting I really don't. And by the way, the preseason schedule was announced. So we are already getting ready for the 2019 season. So it is coming. It is coming more than ever. Seven games. Four games at Nationwide. And the countdown begins on September. When Columbus opens up September 17th against their arch rival, the Buffalo Sabres. Give me a break. Buffalo is not a rival. Pittsburgh is the rival. More than anything else. And I've had arguments after arguments with people about this. If you look at the rivalries for Columbus, Pittsburgh is one. Chicago is two. Because the the way that the crowds of Chicago and the sheer demographics. Three is Detroit. And then four would be Nashville because of the demographics. I think, and I, I wouldn't count St. Louis, and because of the fact that Chicago and Detroit used to be division rivals for, this, for that franchise. Nashville as well, too. But for me, Columbus, those are the, the, the three rivals for Columbus. Pittsburgh, Detroit, and Chicago. You could throw Nashville in as a fourth, but I pose the question to you, who of those four teams, who is Columbus's biggest rival? I know Pittsburgh would be one, and Chicago would be two, Detroit would be three, and Nashville would be four. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. As you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in, and we'll t- let's continue this discussion on the hockey topic, and let's dive a little bit more into the NHL. So let's dive a little bit more into the NHL, of course. The big news, of course, the Stanley Cup has a new home, and it's in the Gateway City in St. Louis, Missouri, as the... St. Louis Blues defeated the Boston Bruins in six games in Boston, excuse me, in seven games in Boston for the Stanley Cup. And uh, St. Louis is a great franchise. They definitely deserve to have the Stanley Cup. Um, They've never won it. Uh, The rematch was perfect. It was 54 years in the making since the Bobby Orr Golden Goal. They gave the Bruins the Stanley Cup. They battle again. They and the Bruins come out and they and they own that series. They really did. 
They really owned the series. Boston had a couple games where they 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 put they put the pounding to the wall. But St. Louis owned that series. The fans were into it more than Boston was. I know I was following it more than anything else. I mean, I wanted St. Louis to win. I know my my old broadcast partner Nick the Money Man Devere wanted Boston to win it so bad. But I wanted St. Louis to win it because I hate Boston. And I admit that. I hate the Bruins. And the whole and the whole Boston community is just part of my language, but a little arrogant when it comes to sports. I mean, you have the New England Patriots that are 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 Super Bowl champions. They seem to always win, win, win. You have the Boston Red Sox who are now officially relevant. They're officially relevant now. The Celtics, of course, they were good back in the 70s and 80s. In the early 90s with, with, with Larry Bird battling out against Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. But of course, but of course, you know, you can't just count out the fact that Boston is such... The fanship is so arrogant, in my opinion. They always think of themselves before they think of, you know, a, another team or another city. And they and they and St. Louis did it for that that young girl. They really did. And it's great to see. The teams come together for a good cause. And this girl gets to see her hometown team win the Stanley Cup. And I'm just grateful that, you know, St. Louis won it. Boston lost it. You know, and I'll say this too. I'm just glad that Boston felt the same way that we did against them. I say that because they got into Carolina and swept Carolina at four straight games. They were off for two whole weeks. St. Louis was only off for five, excuse me, six days. So St. Louis was the fresher of the two teams. Of those two teams. They were fresher. They were they competed well. And all I have to say is Gloria, my friends. Gloria. And congratulations to the St. Louis Blues. Now we had the NHL awards that happened last night the last night in the NHL, of course. Big news coming out of that one. The one big thing I wanted to talk about briefly is the fact that the the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I know a lot of you Leafers that follow this podcast and listen to the podcast are not going to like what I'm about ready to say to you. You guys are cursed next season. The NHL 19 curse is real. And look at Nashville. Nashville didn't make it that far into the playoffs. They were eliminated. And P.K. Subban was on the cover, and he got injured. The 2020 cover of NHL EA, the EA Sports NHL 2K, NHL 19-20 came out. My apologies. Came out, and Austin Matthews is the cover of the 2020 game. All I have to say to that is this. The Leafs are cursed. Do not pick the Leafs. 
Do not pick the Leafs. But last night, the uh, awards in the NHL took place. The Hart Trophy went to Nikita Kucherov, of course. The Wheelie O'Ree Community Hero Award went to Rico Phillips. Mark Messier's leadership NHL Leadership Award went to Wayne Simmons, of course. Andre Vasilevsky gets the Vezina Trophy with the Tampa Bay Lightning, but he wasn't that great against Columbus. Barry Trotz wins the Jack Adams Award. The Frank Selke Trophy goes to Ryan O'Reilly. The Bill Masterson Award goes to Robin Leonard, and he deserved it. Ted Lindsay went to Nikita Kucherov, of course, like I mentioned before. General Manager of the Year went to Don Sweeney. The Lady Bing Trophy went to Alexander Barkov. Uh, Mark Giordano has won the James Norris Trophy. And the Calder Trophy goes to Elias Pedersen from Vancouver, and he deserves it more than anybody else. So, like I said, the 2018-2019 season has ended. And like I mentioned in my opening, the fall sports begin tonight. Tonight, the NBA draft tips begins the fall sports. But of course, we're not talking about that right now. You'll hear my opinion about the NBA in just a second. We're going to talk a little bit about the NHL draft. And I did a, I did a podcast earlier this afternoon, especially for the NHL draft. And uh, tomorrow night taking place in Vancouver, British Columbia. Um you can listen to that podcast anytime by if you go onto the uh, page and you scroll down, you'll see the 2019 NHL Draft Preview Special. And uh, I'm going to play you the bit for me from that podcast. Top 10, 10 through 1. I know it's going to be a little long and some in tooth, but this will give you the insights for tomorrow night's draft in the NHL. So enjoy this for you. This is a special preview from today's. NHL previews, NHL draft show. So now let's get into the top 10 picks for this year's 2019 NHL draft happening in Vancouver, British Columbia. And the top 10 looks like this. 10 is at Vancouver, 9 is at Anaheim, 8 is Edmonton, 7 is is uh, Buffalo, 6 is the Detroit Red Wings, 5 is the LA Kings. Colorado is the 4th pick overall from the Ottawa Senators. The 3rd pick overall is the Chicago Blackhawks. 2 goes to the New York Rangers. And the number 1 overall pick this season is the is the New Jersey Devils. So we'll start from 10 and go up from there. At 10, I have, of course, number 10 overall, I have Matthew Boldly. Boldly. Matthew, a good player. A left winger out of the USHL and the USA developmental team. Great left winger. He can also play. He can also set up plays on the right wing side as well. He will be a great piece for the Vancouver Canucks. I have Vancouver taking Matthew Boldy at number ten. Number nine sees Philip Broberg. Broberg getting a pickup. He was. For me, at number 11, he moves up in my draft board to number 9. Philip, a great player out of out of Ankar, Sweden. He's a great defenseman. If you need a defenseman, he is very... You would probably take, you would probably take Victor Stroman, but Brunberg has the same size as Victor Stroman. Stroman, of course, being back towards the back. 
I had him going towards towards uh, the Winnipeg Jets in the in in the first round of the draft. I think um, he will be an interesting piece to see how things will go around. But of course, like I said, I have I have Philip Brogberg at number nine. For the Anaheim Ducks. So help out the defenseman core for the Anaheim Ducks. At number 8. I have. Of course. Valeski Polinski. Polinski. Out of the SK 1948. Out of the Russian team. Yes. He is a Russian my friends. He's powerful. He's very very good. He helped his team. He earned his t- world junior coach. He helped to earn the trust of his coach. Vladdy Burgum in Vancouver in the World Juniors, and he is he's he's going to be a fan favorite for a he was a fan going to be a fan favorite for the for the Edmonton Oilers at number eight. I think he can help out a little bit. Like I said, he's a right winger. He can help out Connor McDavid at the same time. On on the offensive front, so we'll see what happens with that. Seven goes to it's a pretty it's it, pretty clear cut for me. It's going to be Colton Caulfield. He was talking to a lot of the Buffalo Sabers. He is the true X factor in this draft. Caulfield originally, like I said, five foot seven. A lot of people have him at seven. I don't. I don't have him at seven. I don't have him at seven. You know where I have him? I have him at I have him at five. Yes, I have him at five. You know who I have at seven? I have Bowden Braham. Bowden Braham, defenseman out of the out of the WHL. Buffalo needs defensemen to help out Jack Eichel. They do. They really do. And Bowen will help him out. But he I could see him moving up. He's a giant of a blue liner player. He had an incredible run leading the WHL in scoring. He's very, very he's very, very I mean uh he's very, very intimate with the puck. He can set the puck in a right the right place at the right time. I think that he can be a key piece. For the Buffalo Sabres at six is the Detroit Red Wings. I think Trevor Zegas is going to be the pickup for them. Trevor, a, a centerman out of the U.S. Uh, the Developmental League, the USHL. He's very, very talented. He's also a great playmaker when it comes to that. And he, he is, he is bound, he is bound for, for BU. But so he, and he can make an impact in the. He made an impact in the American World Juniors. As of will be as of next season, but I think this kid's going to be a very very good pickup for the Red Wings. I think Steve Eisman's got a good head on his shoulders to pick this kid up. I think that'll be a great pickup for them. I think Traver is a great pick at five. Like I mentioned before, I think Cole Caulfield is the pickup for them. There, I think that'll be. A, excuse me. Yeah, I think Cole Caulfield will be a great pickup there. But then let's get to four. 
Four, I have Dylan Cousin, a centerman out of Lethbridge at the WHL. He's a big, big kid. He's very, very talented when it comes to being the being the possible number one centerman for the Colorado Avalanche. Colorado, I think, will have a great pickup for him, and he's also he's got he does have some work to do, but like um like Bowen Brindham, uh, Cousins was also a critical member of the Hurricanes. Lethbridge Hurricanes this year, and will take on a bigger role next season with that same team. So let's get to the final three picks, and it is pretty consistent to me as well, too. The number three pick overall will go to the Chicago Blackhawks, and I think it is going to be Alex Torkin of the USHL. He's going to be the most be the most prolific player, I think, for the for the Blackhawks, a USA kid. He is intent he's an intense player. He's an awesome top end talent. He also has he is also great on the ice. However, he had a mono he, he had a hip injury and mono this last season, but he was still great after all that. He is uh headed to the University of Wisconsin and he's gonna be a great player for the Blackhawks. Later on down the season, we'll see what happens with that. I think the Hawks will take him at three. The number of two pick overall, in my opinion, it's between Jack Hughes and Capo Caco. And Caco's going to the Rangers. Caco is a winner. He took home gold at the World Juniors. I think Caco is a very good player. He's big, he's talented, he's smart, and Ranger fans are going to really love him. I know Jeremy Luce is going to really love him on the defensive core, and the Rangers need some help on the defensive core as well, too. So the number one overall pick is going to go to Jack Hughes, and that's going to go to the New Jersey Devils. The Devils needed a player like this. Taylor Hall needs an assistant player for this. I think Jack Hughes is a great player to plug in right away for this team. I think Hughes and Kako are going to be two players that you're going to see right away in, in the league. Right off the bat. So the Devils getting Jack Hughes. So that's the NHL 2019 prediction for the first round of the draft. Of course, second round, I can't really, I you know, I can look and tell you how many good other picks are going to be out there for the first, second, and third round. But it can all change. That's why we lo- That's why I love watching the draft because... Kids get moved around. Players get moved around. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm looking forward to this. And for me, the 2019-20 draft kicks off the 2019-20 season, in my opinion. These kids play so hard and so tough every year. I think this is going to be an interesting season. Will Jack Hughes be the promising hope for the New Jersey Devils? Will Cabo Caco be there as well too? And will all these picks that I made tonight be future stars and future members of the the elite of the NHL? We shall see. But that's going to wrap it up for tonight's edition, a uh, special edition of the NHL Draft. Uh, you can watch the NHL Draft, the 2019 NHL Draft, on NBCSN starting at eight, uh, starting at seven o'clock Eastern Time on NBCSN or on Sportsnet 
as well. And all-day coverage of rounds 2 through 7 will be on Saturday starting at 10 a.m. on the NHL Network. So as you're listening to All Andy Offer tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcasts Now, however you're listening to me and wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. You just heard the uh, special snippet of the 2019 NHL Draft Show. You can find that on any of the on any of the podcast forms that you listen to this show, whether it be on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcaster, Stitch, Stitcher. And um, if you want more in-depth analysis on all my picks as well. Uh, I want to talk about the premier double-A hockey team that's affiliated with the NHL, and that's the ECHL. And I want to talk about the double-A affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings that it plays here in Toledo, Ohio. That is the Toledo Walleye. When I last left you, they were finishing up the series against the Cincinnati Cyclones. They beat the Cyclones in five, in five games, four games to one. They were getting ready to take on the Tulsa Oilers in a pivotal game series that went the distance and went seven games. And the Walleye, for the first time in franchise history, you have to go back to the way before the Walleye were purchased. In 1994, since the last conference championship happened in Toledo, Ohio, and that was against, that was when they were the Toledo Storm, the, the Walleye, winning the conference championship and the Western Conference Championship, beating the Oilers in seven games, four games to three. The pivotal game was game seven. And you know, this team really came together after that series. And so they battled the Eastern Conference champion, which were the, of course, the Newfoundland Growlers, brand new to the league this year, the affiliates of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, folks, this series was absolutely fantastic. All sold-out crowds at Huntington Center. Sell-out. They were full at, at Fifth Third Field and at the plazas at, at Huntington Park. Not Huntington Park, but uh, uh, Hensville Park. I say to the fans of Toledo, you did a fantastic job of coming out and supporting this hockey team, and you should be absolutely applauded for what you guys did. It is absolutely tremendous. Our fish, our fight, stepped up to the plate and knocked it out. It took six games. However, the walleye were eliminated, and the Newfoundland Growlers win the Kelly Cup four games to two. And the walleye, for me... I, I, I look at it this way. The first two games were overtime games for the Walleye, and they battled hard. And they did. They battled hard, and they battled strong. But they couldn't get the job done in overtime. They come back to Huntington Center. Game three was absolutely electric crowd, full house, on staff. It was packed. The team fed off of the game, and they won that game, and it would cut the lead to 2-1. to one. If they would have not have lost that game four, you know, this would have been a brand new series. I think you would have given the the edge to the walleye. And then you, we could be Kelly Cup champions. But if they would have not have played that bad and not given up in game four, 
This would be a we probably have a different outcome. I'd probably be back on the air with you guys already talking about next year's walleye team. But of course, they're they're not. Um, but some some hardware to pass along. Of course, the walleye did getting get the Western Conference Championship, and there'll be a new banner hanging over the Huntington Center ice. And by the way, hanging over the Huntington Center ice is a new scoreboard. And no, I'm not talking over center ice. The walleye announced yes the other day that they are putting in a new and bigger scoreboard at the end zone where the walleye shoot twice. General Manager Steve Miller is eager to bring the new fan experience to the Huntington Center. We are committed to maintaining the Huntington Center as a first-class facility and happy to partner with Iconics. The expansion of the video and ribbon boards will significantly improve the event experience for fans from years to come. We need a scoreboard over center ice. We don't need a new board and the end zone. We need a scoreboard over center ice. And I'm telling you why. I'm going to tell you why right now. You fans, the, the true fans that sit between 109 to 113 in the swamp zone where the walleye shoot twice, I can guarantee you you've got neck problems. Because you, after a goal or a fight, you turn around and you turn your neck around. That's got to hurt. Why can't we have enough money? This team in, this, in the county has revenued so much money out of this building. We can't invest in a scoreboard. After all, Newfoundland can get a scoreboard over center ice. Wheeling can have a scoreboard over center ice. Tulsa can have a scoreboard over center ice. Why can't we have a scoreboard over center ice? Now you're going to say to me, well, the roof is too short. Oh, and the roof, you know, you have the... $30 $30 million to expect. No. You have invested nothing into the new scoreboard and new ribbons. And this is what it says right here. The project right here. Right here. This new one from, from Pete Pickle Nose Gherkin. The new improved video board will, will display will provide a new and better experience for the Huntington Center fans. Whether it's attending a sporting event or a concert, fans will love this spectacular new system. We are always seeking to improve the facilities and strive to keep the Huntington Center at the front of the pack. Put a scoreboard over center rights! Put a scoreboard over center ice! When they built that building 10 years ago, they should have put a scoreboard over center ice! They have to. The amount of money that the walleye and the county get. And if Napoli doesn't want to do it, it's just it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. And I, I go back to what he did with with the with fifth third field. Taking that scoreboard out of right field was the stupidest idea I've ever seen in my entire life. For me as a statistician, 
to keep up with the batting averages and to keep up with with the you know I love I love to hear the facts and the little stats and the little notes about the players that are batting for the opposition team and for the Whatheads. True, you've got a brand new scoreboard. Doc Electronics has given you a brand new scoreboard over over left field, which is getting pebbled every single time a mudhen batter hits a home run. The new area, new and new end wall video board will measure approximately 20 feet high by 50 feet wide and will feature the latest Dectronics indoor video technology while using a 6 millimeter pixel spacing. It will bring a image clarity and con- contrast to the viewer. And additionally, the ribbon display will be installed along the seating facade or the venue measuring over 2 feet high by 600 feet long and will feature the new Deck Comics ribbon technology using 15 millimeter pixel spacings. And I will say this, the ribbon board did need to get did need to get replaced. If you've ever been to the Huntington Center this past season, you notice that the on the camera side on the on the press box side of things the ribbon board was not working. And of course, that's that's what we need. It, it, the, the, the camera side was showing it. But on the other side, you weren't seeing the scores. You weren't seeing the advertisements. So you're losing, losing half the crowd right there. So of course, finishing up here, Ryan Sutton, the electronic sales representative says, this project will... Bring a true definition, high definition experience to fans inside the Huntington Center for every event. We are thrilled to be working with the team to bring the project to life and to increase the energy and experience for the fans. The final product will be amazing and we will look forward to a positive impact for years to come. I do like the fact that they are going to do the scoreboard and the rib. I like the ribbon board more factor, but I say it again, they need a scoreboard over center ice. I am sick and tired of it. I am sick and tired of, of those fans in 109 to 114 having to turn around, turn their neck to see a replay or a highlight. And it's it will bring more value to that Huntington Center than anything else. Even if it's a small scoreboard that just shows you the walleye versus, I don't know, the Brampton Beast, the score, the time, and two slots where they have the penalties. That's fine. We don't need a fancy board, a, a fancy video board that will show you the damn, the damn woo and the count-up thing. We just need a small scoreboard over center ice so that we can stop looking up and turning our necks and breaking our necks to see a highlight. It's just plain and simple to me. And, you know, that's one of my takes tonight here on All Andy Alford right here on the Anchor Network. I, we need the Huntington Center and the Walleye need a new scoreboard, plain and simple. A center ice scoreboard. So that's... That is, you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And of course, let's dive into a little bit more of the winter sports and dive in a little bit more on what's happening in the association. So I found myself more and more watching the NBA finals than anything else because I was rooting for the, for the Raptors. And congratulations to the Toronto Raptors, the first NBA championship in Canada ever. 
first time in franchise, first time in nation in a long history of the nation having basketball in the association. So it's it's truly a pleasure. I love seeing Kawhi. I like that Van Fleek draining the threes, of course. And like I mentioned before, the NBA, the fall sports are beginning again tonight. The new season are beginning. The NBA draft is taking place this evening in New York. The overall number one pick goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. Number two is the Memphis Grizzlies. Three goes to the New York Knicks. New Orleans had the fourth pick from the L.A. Lakers. However, late this afternoon, a trade took place from the Atlanta Hawks. The Hawks will now get the fourth overall pick in this draft for a couple players. And I I don't have it off the top of my head, but it is... uh, it is interesting to see what's going to happen with that fourth overall. The fifth pick goes to the Cavs. The Cavs will have the fifth pick overall in the NBA draft. Sixth pick overall goes to the to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Seventh pick goes to the Chicago Bulls. Eighth pick goes to the New Orleans Pelicans. From L.A. And. Well excuse me. From Atlanta. The ninth pick overall goes to the Washington Wizards. Ten goes to Atlanta. From Dallas. Phoenix goes up to 11 from Minnesota. Twelfth goes to the Charlotte Hornets. Thirteenth pick overall goes to the Miami Heat. Fourteenth goes to the Boston Celtics. From San Antonio through Philadelphia. Fifteenth pick goes to the Detroit Pistons. Sixteenth pick goes to. The Magic 17th pick is the New Orleans Pelicans again from Brooklyn through Atlanta. The 18th pick overall goes to the Indiana Pacers. The 19th pick is San Antonio. The 20th pick goes to the Boston Celtics. The 21st pick, OKC. 22nd, Boston again. 23rd pick from Utah goes to the Memphis Grizzlies. The 76ers are the 24th pick. The Portland Trailblazers, the 25th pick. From Houston, the 26th pick is the Cleveland Cavaliers again. The 27th pick from the Denver Nuggets is the new the Brooklyn Nets 28th pick overall is the Golden State Warriors and Toronto draft pick at 29 goes to the San Antonio Spurs the 30th pick goes to the Milwaukee Bucks and like I said before a trade happened before the deadline today Adrian Wojnarowski has reported that the fourth pick in the NBA draft from the New Orleans Pelicans has been acquired by the Atlanta Hawks for picks 8, 17, and 35. And the Pelicans also sent Simone Hill and the 57th pick in the future second-round considerations to Atlanta in exchange. Atlanta also sends Cleveland heavily protected first-round pick in 2020 to the Pelicans, sources have also said. So looking forward to seeing what the NBA draft, like I said, the NHL draft is tomorrow night in Vancouver. You heard the you heard the take there in just a second. But, of course, congratulations to the Toronto Raptors and the the new NBA champions. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now let's hit the diamond. Got a lot to get into. First and foremost, let's talk about the Motor City Kitties. So let's talk about the Tigers. 
What an absolute train wreck. And in the words of one of my favorite broadcasters, Bruce Drennan, we stink. Oh, oh, we absolutely stink. This is by far the worst Tiger team I have seen since the team that only had 49 wins and 119 losses. Nobody true, nobody that good on this team. And the surprising thing is in the division, they are still not in it. They're 26-44. and 44. They've had absolutely been blown out by the Cleveland Indians. They're 20 and a half games out of first place. 20 and a half games out of first place. Garden Hire is not the man for this job. I'm, I, I'm saying it flat out to you guys. Gardy is not the man for this position. And the fact that, you know, I have to say that is just sad. It's absolutely sad. Cabrera is not becoming the player that he is. And, and when trade deadline comes, I hope that we move some pieces. I think Nic- Nicholas Castellanos is a, is a goner. I think some of the relievers are going to be a goner as well, too. I like that Shane Green that's been playing pretty well. But, yeah, the, the Tigers are just absolutely atrocious this year. The bullpen has been horrible. It was nice to see the team get some runs in Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh has been horrible this year. I mean, I mean, it's terrible. I mean, it's absolutely terrible. Absolutely. The good thing is that we get Josh Boyd back on the hill, but we're in Cleveland this weekend. After Cleveland came in on Father's Day weekend and absolutely destroyed the Tigers. Absolutely destroyed the Tigers. And what what else is there to say? This team is atrocious. It needs to be shooken up from top to bottom. And that's also going for the Mud Hens too. It really is. The Tigers, last weekend alone, were outran. They were outscored. 26, excuse me, 25 to 6. And you, it, I can't, I can't even deal with this. This team is just atrocious. They split in Pittsburgh, and they got lucky with that win on Tuesday because Pittsburgh's that bad. But then yesterday, putting up seven runs in the game. And Pittsburgh comes back and the bullpen blows up 
and they went eight to seven. Now this weekend, you've got three in Cleveland. They're not going to win all three games. They're not even going to win all three games. They're not even going to be close. And then you've got three against Texas, and then three against the Nationals. Texas will destroy you. The Nationals are going to destroy you. So there's nine losses there. Then you're on the south side for for July 4th day. And then you're in then you host boss. Before the All-Star break. This team is absolutely atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. There's no hope for the Tigers. So us Tiger fans just sit back, relax. Just take these losses. And if you're a Detroit sports fan, count down the days till the Red Wings open up camp. Or for the Lions to start playing. Now on the opposite side of the lake, we've got a little bit of a situation. Of course. We're talking about the Indians. The Indians, a lot of us, including yours truly, had the Indians picked to win the division this year. I figured that they would be you know decent. But of course, they're proving me wrong. Because injuries have killed the tribe this season alone. They have. They the injuries have killed the tribe. There's nothing you could say about it. it it's 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 a foregone conclusion. And you look at it, they split the series against the Reds, destroyed the Tigers. They went into Texas and split the series with Texas. They outscored Texas 24 to 18 in the game. Unbelievable. They'll have three games against the Tigers, of course, three against the Royals. And then they hit the road for their long trip. They go to Baltimore for three. And then next, and then for July 4th, they're in Kansas City. And then they're in Cincinnati before they host host the All-Star Game, which we will be there that week for the All-Star Game. Hopefully, we're thinking Sunday the 7th, maybe, maybe the 8th. We'll see what happens. And um, then they're home for a while. They're home three against the Twins, four against the Tigers, three against the Royals. So that's that's saying something right there. So looking at this, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm looking at the standings, and I was listening to a, a, a show today uh, if you don't listen to High Heat with Christopher Mad Dog Russo, which I do, you you Russo brought up a point of the teams since we are now typically close to the mathematical halfway point of the season. You're looking at the teams in the in the division right now. Of course, I think Minnesota's going to win the division. 
Cleveland's not going to make. Cleveland's going to have to start making the run to get into the postseason, and they have to start like right now because Minnesota's got the toughest part of their schedule for the second half, and we'll get into that in just a second. But you look at the standings going into tonight's play, and the Indians, by the way, lost today. They played a day game today because we're filming this at. At 5.45 this afternoon. The Indians lost today. Minnesota is in first place in the division. Minnesota. At 48-25. and 25. Cleveland is 39-35. and 35. They're nine and a half games out of first place. Chicago, the White Sox, 35 and 37, 12 and a half games out of first place. Detroit is 26 and 44, 20 games, 20 and a half games out of first place. Kansas City, the worst, at 25 and 49, more 23 and a half games out of first place. In the AL East, you have the Yankees at 46 and 27, Tampa Bay, who is 43 and 31, three and a half games out of first place. Boston, 41 and 35, six and a half out. First place, those three teams right there are racing each other in the West. Houston just looked absolutely atrocious against Cincinnati. Uh, my dad called me up yesterday. He says to me, Andy, I was watching the Houston Cincinnati game and I just couldn't believe how Cincinnati just came roaring back in the game. And Cincinnati's gonna be interesting, I'll get to that in just a second. But Houston looked terrible, he says, and I agree with him 48 and 27. Texas is 40 and 35 with their win today. They're eight games out of first place. Oakland is 39 and 36, nine games out of first place. The Angels, 38 and 37, 10 games out of first place. So if you look at the AL, the East looks like this. It'll be the Yankees, the Twins, and the Astros. Wild card, Tampa and Boston. I see that. Juggling in a child. And I can't, like I said, I can't count out Cleveland and I can't count out Texas. I can't even count out Oakland at the same time. But Oakland's got a hard schedule in the second half. They've got two series against the Yankees. They've got a series, they've got all the series against Houston. They've got series, series against the Nationals. That's going to be difficult. AL East looks like this Philadelphia's in trouble. I don't think they're going to win the division. Atlanta's got this. 44 and 31. Now, I say that right now. So I know Lucas is probably going to hear this podcast. You go, oh, we can't say that. Blah, blah, blah. Atlanta's 44 and 31. Philadelphia is 39 and 34. They're four games out of first place. Washington, I, I love you, Allen, but I don't see the Nationals doing it. They've got to, they got to get to 500 baseball and they got to win. They ain't going to do it. 35 and 38, eight games out of first place. The Mets, Andy Mars's Mets, 35 and, tw- 30, 35 and 39. I think the Mets can overjump the Nationals. They're eight and a half games out of first place. Miami, joke, 26 and 46. Central looks like this. And now this is when I think the Reds can do something. They're 34 and 38. They're third place. They can still make it. Russo doesn't like the Met, the the Reds five and a half games out of first place. But look, look at this: the Cubs are in first place at forty and thirty three, and the Cubs look they're hot and cold. 
The Brew Crew is a half game out of first place and a half game up in the wild card right now if it's playoffs are today. They're 40 and 34. St. Louis is 38 and 35. They're two games out of first place. Like I said, Cincinnati, four games under 500, five and a half games out of a out of first place. So Cincinnati's in it. In the West, it's pretty much clear cut. I think the Dodgers are going to be the West are going to be the National League representation in the in the in the World Series. I might be wrong, but for me, the wild card is between Colorado and Arizona for the one wild card spot. But like I said, Cincinnati is the is is the one team I would want to watch if I was if I was an NL Central fan. Because it's interesting to see how the Reds are going to do in the second half. They're going into Milwaukee this week. Okay? This weekend. Big series against the against the um against the Brew Crew in Milwaukee. If they can take at least if they can at least take a few games out of the Brew Crew. And they'll start tonight at 8:10, by the way. Be Rourke. Four and six with a three point four three ERA for the Reds for the Red Lakes. I mean they can they can make some damage, they can. And looking at their schedule after the Brewers, this week, this weekend in the in a big four game series, they've got. Two against the Angels, who are struggling in Anaheim. And then three at home against the Cubs. Then they have four against the Brewers for Independence Day week. And then two against the Indians before they have the All-Star break. And then they start back up on the road in Colorado and in Chicago. So it will be interesting. It will absolutely be interesting. To see how the Red Lakes do. So for me, three teams I think could make the postseason. That I think could make a long, legitimate, deep run. The Yankees, because now you have John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge healthy again. You've got the problem is the bullpen is what they have. And they need better starting pitching. Absolutely better starting pitching. If they do not get better starting pitching, you know, they got they've got problems. And you know, for me, I think the Indians could be buyers or sellers, buyers and sellers when it comes to the trade deadline. They could be selling good pieces to get good pieces. But we'll see. The Yankees are one. The Astros are two. Because the ro- the rotation is, is is pretty good, but yet, like I said, the Astros have been cold lately, and I have more problems with the Astros right now than anything else. And and of course, like I said, in the in the National League, it's it's the Dodgers. For me, so those three teams could possibly win a World Series this upcoming year. That's 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 just me. That's what I think it is. But we shall see. We're technically at the halfway point 
of the baseball season. We have less than less than three and a half months left to go in the baseball season. Three and a half months. Good believe. We were just talking about opening day the other day, and now we are into the full swing of baseball season. As you're listening to All NBL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in. And now we'll briefly dive into football. Both kinds, by the way. So let's dive into some football, of course. Uh, I'm not talking college football, and we'll dive into that here in just a second. But, of course, the Women's World Cup happening happening right now. I know a few people that are watching this intensely. I know Dennis is watching this intensely, of course. Today we had a few games. Of course, the United States getting the win over Sweden 2 to nothing, winning the pool play, and winning the number one overall seed. Uh, Cameroon, a 2-1 win over New Zealand. The Netherlands getting a 2-1 win over Canada. And Chile getting a 2-1 win over Thailand. So... The set the teams are set now for the round uh, for the um, the tournament to begin. Okay, and here it is. The first round of the sixteen looked like this. Germany will play Nigeria. It will also be Norway versus Australia. England will f- play Cameroon on the twenty third of June. By the way, that was Germany and Nigeria, Norway and Australia the twenty second. The twenty third sees France battling Brazil. The 24th sees the United States hosting as the home team against Spain. Sweden will play Canada. And on the 25th, it will be Italy versus China and the Netherlands versus Japan. The 16 teams will make it into the... We'll go down from 16 to 8, 8 to 4, and then 4 to 2, and we will have our women's champion. So looking forward to that. Of course, it will all start on the 22nd. Of June, and that is on Saturday at 11:30 a.m. And I love it that Fox is covering it. They've been doing a fantastic job with their coverage. And I'll say this too, and I know I, I've had a lot of people that have asked me about my opinion about the United States in the game against Thailand at the beginning of the pool play. That game was a good game. I'll give it. I'll give it credit. I'll give it credit. It's a great game. I enjoyed it. I watched. I watched the highlights. But after it was five nothing, the U.S. should have pulled back. I know goal differential is key and everything like that, but they should have pulled back. And then not. It was unnecessary for all that celebration to happen. It really was. The U.S. does not need to do that. That's why we are so hated in sports. Because of our arrogance and ignorance towards our opponent. And Alex Morgan should be ashamed of herself for doing that. For counting up the goals. One, two, three, four, five. Don't do that. Because there's a slap in, slap in the opponent's face. And Thailand, this was their first ever Women's World Cup team. And you embarrass them like that. He should have pulled back and let the team have it. Let the team play it. Let them play. 
sub as many of the starters as you can. Let the bench clear out. Why couldn't you do that? I don't know. It just was a slap. For me, it was a slap in the face. It really was. And I didn't like it. I did not like it at all. I, I It showed arrogance. It really did. And, and that's why we're so hated in sports. We are absolutely hated in sports because of people like that. Absolutely like people like that. Uh, but we shall see. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight, right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you're listening to me, wherever you're listening to me, thank you for tuning in to the program. Of course, we're going to get into the... Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some college football really quickly. Dive into that just a second here. Um, let, let, yeah, let's dive right into it. Bowling Green and Scott Leffler have went out and made a splash in some of their recruiting. They have moved up in the ranking for the 2020 class from 6th to 2nd place. Bowling Green is legitimate in their recruiting. Now, this season, I'm, I, 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 I hesitate to you Falcon fans. And it, we'll be doing the podcast every Friday for Falcon Friday, of course, to get you ready for the Bowling Green game, of course. I hesitate to say this, but if his recruiting class is this good a year out... Boy, how it's going to be a fun ride. He takes four recruits from Boston College and they transfer to Bowling Green because they trust him. He gets a recruitment from from a kid that's going to be the new quarterback next season. And it's going to be a battle between him and Riley Keller. I cannot wait for that. Bowling Green football is going to be legit again, folks. And I love seeing that UT is trying their best to get the get some kids for their for their recruiting class, try to get them back into the hunt. It's not gonna cut it. It's not really not gonna cut it. And um we'll see what happens. By the way, have to make mention of this to you. July eleventh. That is a Thursday, that is the week of the Jamie of the uh, excuse me, almost at the Jamie Farr, but the Marathon Classic. July eleventh, it is a Thursday. Tickets go on sale, individual tickets. If you want to purchase tickets to see Bowling Green at Notre Dame Stadium, individual game tickets to sit in the Bowling Green section at Notre Dame Stadium will go on sale. The starting price, $55. Yes, I said that right. To get into Notre Dame Stadium, $55. And I would like to do this, reach out to Bowling Green Athletics for this. I'd like to see us get a bus together. So that a lot of us that don't want to make the drive to South Bend, we can all get on the bus and get dropped off at the game and then get back on the bus and get dropped back off at Bowling Green because I would love that. I would absolutely love it. But I'm looking forward to that, looking forward to taking this podcast 
to Notre Dame Stadium for the game. And I'm looking forward to this football season. we got a good schedule of games, of course, coming up. Bowling Green opening up against Murray State. BG. You know, and their, their season is going to be interesting. I mean... For me, Bowling Green's football team, it, it will be interesting to see how they perform. I know we've got a couple road tests. Of course, like I said, the Notre Dame game is the big one. That'll be a big one. And... For me, BG will be better. They will be. They will be. Bowling Green has got games against Murray State, of course, will be the home opener. Then they will be going to Kansas to Kansas State to play the Wildcats. Home to play Louisiana Tech Bulldogs. And then they open up max schedule the 21st of September against Gold State. Uh, Kent State, excuse me. October 5th, Bowling Green at Notre Dame. A 3.30 kickoff under the lights at Notre Dame. I can't wait for that. And then the following week, it's rivalry week as the school up north comes down to BG, to Dwight Perry Stadium, Saturday, October 12th. Looking forward to that. Then they're at home against Central Michigan on the road at Western Michigan, at home against Akron, on the road at Miami, and to finish the season November 19th against the Ohio Bobcats, and then at home on the road to play the Buffalo Bulls, the final weekend of the season. So we'll see what happens. Looking forward to seeing what the schedule is. I'm really looking forward to the Notre Dame game, and I'm looking forward to seeing Notre Dame's team. It's on the bucket list, folks. It's on the bucket list. Cannot wait. As you're listening to All Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podcast Now, however you listen to me, Wherever you listen to me, thank you for tuning into the program. And now we have hit the end of the program, and it's time for Andy Rants. So it's time for Andy Rants. And uh, first and foremost, I said I want to thank you for the bottom of my heart for tonight, for doing the show for you guys and listening to the podcast tonight. Um, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Um, we need a scoreboard over Center Ice, by the way, still. Um, I My Andy Rants was the scoreboard. Rants, but uh, of course, like I said, next next week we'll be back on the air with you. Uh, we'll be in Frankenmuth, Michigan, to do another podcast. Um, looking forward to doing the show with you guys there, and to uh, cover the sport sports up there. Um, having the opportunity to spend a few days with me and the misses to get away from work and from everything like that, and um, yeah, it's uh, it's truly a pleasure to be with you guys again on the podcast. We're doing shows every week now. Every Thursday next, and then, of course, like I said, the weekend, 
the second week of July, we will be doing a bunch of shows with the MLB All-Star Game happening in, in Cleveland, as well as the Marathon Classic happening at Highland Meadows. It's a big sports weekend in the state of Ohio. Looking forward to covering it off with you guys right here on All Andy Alford. So until I talk to you guys again next Thursday from the beautiful city of Frankenmuth, Michigan, I am Andy Alford saying I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. The game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams behind me, the teams that I root for at home, the Tigers. Come on, Tigers, get better. To the Indians. To the Mudhens. To the Walleye. Congratulations. To the Jackets. Go, Jackets! And go Team USA in soccer. And go Falcons. Victory is sweetest when you have tasted defeat. Have a great week, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next week from Frankenmuth, Michigan, for another edition of All Andy Alford. Love you, babe. Talk to you then. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. Follow the show on Twitter. It is at All Andy Alford. It is at All Andy Alford.